hope. Someone say hope tonight. The hope of salvation. And, and somewhere between hope being realized, be, between hope landing in our spirit and us desiring or wanting or longing something, between us getting that desire and realizing the promise, there is this season called waiting. Anyone know what waiting is? We all know a little bit about waiting. <clears throat> they call this, this, uh, this challenge, different challenges on social media. They call this challenge the toddler challenge. I don't know if anyone's ever seen any toddler challenges or not. It's the, it's, a, it's the test to get the idea about the personality or patience of your child on the table. With modern technology, we set up our smartphone cameras and we record our children when we place a challenge before them. A challenge of them to wait or uh, have patience to receive something that is promised, a challenge. Uh, uh, the reality is more likely that the challenge is a mirror about what we are and who we are than it is about the children. We can see ourselves in them. When we pull away the carefully constructed social norms we impose on ourselves, I can see that we haven't really changed much in all of our maturing and aging from the little children that we place the challenge in front of. And, and we're blessed with toddlers and young parents on our church team, so I thought maybe we'd just take a minute and share a little bit about our team's youngest staff members, Rosie and Annie, and a challenge that they had because their mom put them into it. Downstairs. You wait until I get back, okay? until mommy comes back, okay? <coughs> Don't eat them. <laughs> I'll be right back, okay? Okay. Don't eat them yet. Look at mom. <coughs> Don't eat them till mommy comes back, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Don't eat them until mommy comes back, okay? Okay. 
supposed to wait till mommy came back. <laughs> Some things are too good not to share. <laughs> I don't know where you find yourself. Somewhere between Rosie and Annie. But God will often place us in a season of waiting, a pause, a parenthesis in life where the promise has been, <clears throat> has been talked about, but it has not yet been received. In the, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we have these promises that have yet to be fulfilled, and they're called prophecies. Prophecies were given because God didn't want his people to be without hope. Prophecies were given because God never intended for us to live in a place of hopelessness. And if there was ever a time or an age or a day when we see hopelessness abounding, I would have to say it's in this day and it's in this age. And we are left wondering sometimes, God, how long before? When will you? And, and I just came with a little reminder tonight that, that, that God doesn't operate by our calendar and God doesn't go by our clock. God works on his own purpose, in his own timeline, in his own plan. Galatians chapter 4 and 4 said, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. We have to remember that we work in the realm in the loss of time. We use learn terms like out of time, limited time. There's no more time or just in time. We, we have this idea about time being so limited. It's, be, it's so precious. It's so carefully managed. We can't get it back. So we're so cautious in what we do with it. You waste time. You, you pass time. Whatever, whatever it is, sometimes we, it's just this limited quantity that we have so little of. So we monitor it. We, we live in the, in the lack of it. We look at it with a less than mentality. The glass is only half full when we look at time. But, but if I could just kind of shift our focus for a moment tonight, I want to remind us that God doesn't work with calendars and chronographs. God doesn't work with stopwatches and timers. God works beyond the scope of time. God works beyond the scope of, of our limitations, and he steps into the realm of eternity. And that's why God can say, you don't have to worry about the time, the timing. You don't have to worry about the appointed time. I've got it all in control. When the fullness of time comes, I will act. I will move. You may be in a season of waiting right now, but you don't have to wait very long. You, you may have to wait longer than you want to, but in the fullness of time, God is going to perform his work, and we've got to maintain our hope. I'm talking to a few people tonight because we so quickly slip into the realm of hopeless because God doesn't work when we want him to and God doesn't work how we want him to. And hopelessness abounds because we are in an immediate society. We want it here and now. But God says, I just want to inject this little idea about hope. God works in the scope of hope. 
He's the eternal one. He's the one who creates the fullness of time. And God always works in the realm of fullness. God works in overflow. God works in abundance. God works in the place where my cup runs over. I'm talking about a God that isn't limited. God works in the realm of fullness. God works in the realm of overflow. God works in the realm of he's going to flood our hearts, flood this place, pour out, rain down. That's the God we're talking about tonight. So God isn't limited limited with time. He just allows us to work in this realm called hope because it's our best. It's his best plan. It's his best plan. God, we, we, all, we all are living between the and the promise. We all are. So if you were to take a look at scripture, some, sometimes some scholars believe that there are more than 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. These prophecies about a coming Messiah, this Christmas season that we stepped into is about humanity before the coming of Christ living in the realm of hope. They had to live with the hope of salvation. So with 300, more than 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament, they, they, they had to live with hope. But God wasn't slack concerning his promises. He, he didn't just kind of give them one promise and then make them live thousands of years waiting for that promise to be fulfilled. As a matter of fact, you can look through scripture and book after book and prophet after prophet. The messianic word comes. God releases the word to humanity because they would live for a while and the hope wouldn't come and they, they'd slip off into to sin. They'd slip off into doubt. They'd slip off into discouragement. And, and God just kind of wanted to keep bringing hope before them. He reminded them, oh my, my you haven't seen the, the promise come yet, but it's coming. Someone say it's coming. We were talking about people today that are living in hopelessness. Our world is living in hopelessness. Uh, I don't know about you, but 2021 may not have lived up to all the hope that I had for it. Some of you are living in hopelessness right now because Eric didn't draw your name. Your number, sorry. I was, I was watching. I didn't, have a, I didn't have a little ticket to read. And if you're wondering, we don't sell 50-50 tickets. It's not a lottery. It's a gift. But I, I watched. I was, look, I was looking as everybody was looking at their little half ticket. And Eric was reading the number. Nine. I don't know what it is. Eight. Seven. Everybody's like, Still invested. Everybody's got the same three numbers, by the way. Oh, could be me. I have hope. I got hope. And then I watched as we got down to the last two numbers and people started looking up. Tickets are thrown. Thrown under the seat, thrown on, thrown on the floor. Yeah, all of a sudden, you move from hope into hopelessness. I watched it happen in the room tonight. And then Clifton Arbor is the only one. Anybody got that? Clifton ran the aisles. Did two Jerichos, landed on the altar up here while y'all were waiting for him. He's full of hope. He was, it was hope. He, 
he had enough hope to fill the ticket out. He, he had enough faith in the process. He had enough faith in the promise. He, he had enough faith to, to take time and fill his name out and, or, or just come in and get here early enough to, to get a ticket and stick it in his pocket. He, he had enough hope that, that when Eric came to the front, he, he pulled it out. And when the numbers were being read, there, there was enough hope. But he didn't give up. He didn't say, well, I have never won anything at CCC before. As a matter of fact, I never won anything anywhere before. No, he didn't give up. I'll tell you why. He had enough faith to believe. And, and sometimes I think that we give up on a God that's better than CCC is to its people. God has never given up on us. God has never failed in a promise. And so why is it that sometimes we give up on that God? And we slip into the realm of hopelessness. Why is that? Why is it that we refuse to believe when God has laid the promises out over and over and over again? As a matter of fact, that Bible that you hold in your hand, I hope, at Bible study. Someone shout amen. <laughs> that was a very... I hope, bring your Bible to Bible study. Your Bible is full of that many prophecies about a promise of a coming Messiah. And so humanity had to live in the place called hope, the hope of salvation. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you'll go back, there was a, a gentleman by the name of Peter Stoner, a prof, a prof at uh, the department, he's a, a chairman of the Department of Mathematics and Astronomy at Pasadena College. He was very passionate about biblical prophecy. So with 600 students from the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, he took a look at eight very specific prophecies about Jesus. And they came up with some extremely conservative probabilities for each, each one of them being fulfilled and, and then considered the likeliness of Jesus fulfilling all eight of those prophecies. The conclusion to his research was staggering. The, the prospect that anybody could satisfy those eight prophecies was just one in ten to the 17th power. In other words, that's a one with 17 zeros behind it. Now, we know, you, you may have heard this before, but, but let me just remind us. Uh, let, let's try and visualize the chance, the probability that Jesus could fulfill just eight of 300 prophecies. So if you took that chance, if you took the chance and, and, and you just kind of said, I'm, I'm going to cover the face of Ontario with silver dollars a foot and a half deep. And I'm going to mark one of those silver dollars and I'm going to stir everything up thoroughly all over the entire province. I'm going to blindfold a man and tell him that he can travel as far as he wishes. But he just got to reach his hand down one time and pick up one silver dollar. You may be in Brockville. You may be in Belleville. You may be in Toronto. You may be in, you know, you may be up in Sarnia. I don't know where you were in Ontario. But, but you chose the spot and somewhere between here and there. Somewhere between the north and the south of Ontario, the east and the west, in a foot and a half deep of silver dollars, you reached your hand down and pulled one out. That would be the probability of Jesus fulfilling just eight of the prophecies that were given out of 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. That is a great hope. It's not a, it's not a limited hope. We're talking about a God that doesn't intend for his people to live in a place called hopelessness. God intended for his humanity. God intended for people to live in a place of hope. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous sometimes that, that we live in a place of hopelessness with everything that's happening around us when we have a God that has declared hope of salvation over his church and hope of salvation over our world.
world and hope of salvation in the, in the course and the realm of revival. That is the God that we're talking about tonight. God intends, plans, wants us to live in light of the hope of salvation. I've got hope. Someone say, I've got hope. They had to live in the reality that there really was a Savior coming. You see, in the midst of humanity's first failure, let me just talk about God for a minute. God promised that there would be a Messiah. We're talking about Christmas, the hope of salvation. So in the very beginning, you get Adam and Eve, and they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they fail, they fall, they sin. And the first prophecy that comes to us in Scripture comes to us in Genesis 3.15. In the midst of hopelessness, while God is cursing the serpent, you see it in Genesis 3.15, God speaks to the serpent and he said, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel, his heel. And in the midst of hopelessness, while God is cursing the serpent, he's declaring the coming of the Messiah. He's declaring of the one that would come, that would overcome the enemy. The one that would come, that would usurp the devil's power and authority. The one that would crush his head with his heel in the midst of the hopelessness of humanity. The promise of a coming Messiah shows up because God didn't intend for humanity to live without hope. As a matter of fact, if you look at it carefully, before God ever talked to Adam and Eve and cursed them, he talked to them about the hope that they would have. The hope that they would have. He talked to the serpent, but in the midst of his commentary with the serpent, he said, there is a promise coming. He's going to talk to Adam and Eve about what they lost. He's going to talk to them about curse and childbearing. He's going to talk to them about how Adam's going to have to work the ground. He's going to, he's going to talk to them about that curse. But before he ever talks to them about the curse, he's going to talk to them about the promise. And God does that. God works like that because he intends for us to live in the hope of salvation. Not in a declaration of defeat. There ever was a mentality that we need to shake off today. It's the sense of hopelessness. The enemy will always have an issue that declares hopelessness in your life. So you have to be very careful about what voices you're listening to. Just think through. I, I want to come back and hit that again. The only one that God cursed without hope is the enemy. He cursed the serpent. But he brought the promise of the Savior at the same time. Before he brought the judgment of sin to humanity, he brought the promise of a Savior to them. That's the kind of God that we serve today. God, can I just remind everybody, God knew already about the failure you may have this week. God knew already. He knows already. You felt his presence tonight. And God knew what falling you might have tomorrow. What failure you might have on Thursday or Friday. God already knew, but he still showed up tonight and we felt his presence. God already knew how you, how you were going to manage what he gave to you in your life. But, but he gave it anyway. That's the kind of God that we serve. God, he isn't withholding. God brings you promise in the midst of all of the hopelessness of humanity and sin, and the enemy, God, brings you hope. The enemy will always work in opposition to hope. 
He'll show you every hopeless situation before he ever allows you to see the hope that the Savior brings. Because hopelessness forfeits faith. Hopelessness forfeits faith. And that's why I know that when you begin to feel like forfeiting hope, you got to start looking around for the promise that God has placed in your life. So you say, I'm at the end of my rope, Pastor Jack. I've tied every knot in the Boy Scout handbook, and I'm still just hanging on. It's in that moment that if you look around, there has got to be a promise somewhere. The enemy, the enemy, he's going to show you everything wrong. There isn't going to be anything right. Everybody's going to do you wrong. Everybody's going to have something against you. You're going to have a problem with just about everybody. He's not going to let you see anything because he wants you to just... Slide off into hopelessness. But you contrast that with a God who in his word gave prophecy over and over and over again about a coming Messiah, a hope of salvation. That's the God that we're serving tonight. The enemy simply cannot work against the one who has hope. You render the enemy powerless when you have hope. You silence his roar when you have hope. You defeat the devourer when you have hope. You deny the lie when you have hope. It's just simply the enemy doesn't know what to do with somebody who shows up and says, you know what? I'm just going to keep my hope in God. I'm just going to trust God in this one. I, I don't know. I don't see where he's going with it, but, but I'm just going to trust God. I've got enough prophetic promise in my life. I, I, gotta, I read enough prophetic word. That's, that's why we got to start our day getting in the word. we got to start reading about what God wants to do, not what the enemy would desire to do. we got to start talking about God's promises and God's prophecies over our life. we got to get a prophetic word in our spirit because when we do, the devil can't stop somebody that's got a promise in their life and they've got a hold of it with hope. I have a hope of salvation. I know what it looks like on the outside, but I've got hope. You need to put a little I hope so in it. Someone just look at your name and say, I hope so. God, I, God, God's going to provide. You might as well mark it down. Get ready for it because God already promised. He owns it all. He's got it all. And in the right time, in the right season, God is going to show up. So don't give up. God's going to show up and he's going to provide. God is the healer. So it doesn't matter what the problem is. God has the promise that he can heal, that he will heal. So we just got to step out on the promise and have the hope that the healer is going to do what the healer said that he would do. The healer is in the room tonight. I, I just wish someone would step past discouragement and step over top of defeat and say, I just need a little what you're talking about, Pastor Jack. I, I need a little hope in my life right now. I, I need the hope of a healing. I need the hope of a promise. I need the hope of a Savior. I'm getting a hold of hope tonight. Come on. God's going to provide. God's going to heal. God's going to help. Get it in your spirit. God's going to deliver. God's going to work. God's going to make a way. God. God showed up tonight. God's in the room tonight. I, I'm not giving up because God showed up. I, I'm not turning around. I, I got my feet in the water and they haven't partied yet, but I've got my mind made up. I'm not giving in and I'm not giving up. I've got hope tonight. The weeping may endure for a night, but joy 
is coming in the morning. It doesn't matter what the prognosis is. It doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. It doesn't matter what the report is. Whose report will you believe? I am going to believe the report of the Lord. Come on. I'm sure that sometimes in the last 40 years, but come on, Brother Khalid might have given up hope about a building in in an Islamic nation. You look at their passports. they, They stamp your passport and it says, an Islamic nation. An Islamic Republic. They stamp your path. They, they want it well known. I, I'm sure that maybe he said, it's just impossible. It's just hopeless. But here we are, 40 years later, and God is showing up saying, ah, I'm just making a way in the middle of no way. I've got promise. Don't give up. There's hope. Why, why are we wrestling tonight? Why is this such a push when we're talking about some prophetic promise, the hope of salvation? Why is it silent in the pew and, and quiet in the pulpit? Why? I'll tell you why. The enemy had a little inkling about what we were going to be preaching tonight, so we just may as well push back. We may as well say, I will not be silent. I got my mind made up. I'm going in. I'm not backing up. I'm getting a hold of hope tonight. I've got hope when trouble comes my way. I've got hope, oh glory, since Jesus has come to say, I've got hope, oh yes, when things are not well with me, I've got hope. It's a glorious hope, and that sets me free. Come on, you're not going to read about hope for sale in the Canadian Tire Catalog. You're not going to read, it, read about it being for sale in, the, in all the flyers that are landing in the middle of the snowstorm. going to get caught in your snowblower. You're not, you're not going to find it there. I'll tell you where you will find it. You'll find it in the story of Christmas buried beneath all the commercialism. You'll find it if you dig down deep enough. You'll find a promise of hope. And if if you just get a hold of that salvation, then you will never let it go. Someone shout, I've got hope. It's not hopeless. When God says it's time, it's time. If anybody had the right to fly the flag of hopelessness, it was Jeremiah. He was called the weeping prophet because God let him see the destruction of Jerusalem. He allowed him to preach the message that no one ever came to the altar for for Jeremiah's altar calls. Nobody ever raised their hand. Nobody even bothered showing up for the prize. Jeremiah is just, he's out there preaching. They call him the weeping prophet because no matter how hard he preached, how hard he pushed, how much promise he laid out before the people, they just stubbornly walked on their own way. They just kind of continued in their sinlessness. They continued in their idolatry. They continued, but, but Jeremiah, he saw it. He saw it clearly what was coming. So if there was anybody that had a right to say, it's hopeless, Jeremiah had the right to say, I- I'm just... I'm turning the towel. Here's my, here's my fellowship card. I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm done. I'm done with the, the message. I'm done with the people. I'm turning it all in. I'm, I'm turning it all out. I'm not writing a single word. I'm not fit. I'm just done. Jeremiah had the right. God already told him, here's the message that you're going to preach. You're all going down. In the words of one of the actors from our Easter dramas years ago, you're all doomed. 
You're all doomed. But even through the tears and even through the message when nobody would respond, somewhere smack dab in the middle of the book called The Lamentations, The Lament, the tears and the sorrow and the crying in the, in the middle of his cry with tears streaming down his face unheard and unheeded. This is what the prophet has to say in the very middle of the book in the face of hopelessness. Lamentations 3 and verse 21. This is what Jeremiah said. He said, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, will I hope in him. Brother Rick, can I get a little more monitor right here? I, I'm pushing hard tonight. Therefore, therefore, will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Let me tell you what Jeremiah was saying. When it doesn't feel good, it is good to wait for the salvation of the Lord. It's not time to give up. It's time to get a good grip on hope. It's time to get a grip on hope when things look impossible. It's time to get a grip on hope when it's quiet in the sanctuary. It's time to get a grip on hope when people are giving up all around you. It's time. That's time. That's time to to get a grip on hope because there is the hope of salvation. God hasn't stopped being the Savior. God didn't turn in his towel and say, I'm giving. No, 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 no. God said, I am the God of salvation. I'm still at work. I'm still moving. I'm still working. I'm still reaching. I'm still saving. That's the God that we're talking about tonight. We've got hope. We got hope. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. It is good. It's good that a man should. It's good that a woman should. It's good that young people should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Some of you say, well, Pastor Jack, you're not very quiet tonight. No, but you are. I'll get myself pulled back together. I, I don't know. I don't know. is good I don't know I like what Johnny James said be who you is because if you ain't who you is who you is you ain't so I can't be anybody else I can't I can't be anybody else but here's what I know we can be who God designed us to be and we can get a hold of this hope of salvation because I'll be honest sometimes in the midst of what we see around us we get the idea that maybe God got it wrong 
Maybe the revival is only going to happen in Africa. Maybe the revival is only going to happen in Australia. Maybe, maybe revival is only going to happen in, in South America. Maybe, maybe revival is only going to happen in Pakistan. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's it. No, no, no. Uh, not, not with what I know. Not with the promise because, because we're somewhere between the prophecy and the promise. And so it's not time to give up. I'd like to pull two unlikely, rarely highlighted characters from the Christmas story tonight. You don't see them among the backlit lawn ornaments. They don't hang from the boughs of evergreen Christmas trees. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that Seagull Pewter didn't cast them and create ornaments with their faces. But they should. They're such a strong symbol that we need to embrace in 20. 21 and 22. Luke chapter 2 introduces them to us. And I'm not going to be much longer. Kathy, you can come back to the music. It said, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. You see, Israel had waited. They had waited from Genesis to Malachi, and then some. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalm of Psalm, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Haggai, Zechariah. Malachi. Prophetic promise after prophetic promise after prophetic, prophetic promise. But the Messiah still hadn't come. And, and then to add insult to injury, God becomes silent. And we slip into 400 silent years. And 400 silent years go by and scripture introduces us to a man the same man just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel Simeon haven't haven't you waited long enough Simeon hasn't Israel waited long enough why are you still showing up and why are you still waiting? Uh, I'll tell you why. Simeon showed up because he had a hope of salvation. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Simeon, everybody else is just going through the motions. Religion is just a format. It's just a process. It's just what we do, we don't really believe it. We just go through the motions. We just show up, we go through the motions. But Simeon, the Bible says he was there and he was waiting for the consolation. I, I like how scripture puts it because the waiting for the consolation came before God talked about the Holy Ghost being on him. And there's something about somebody that's willing to wait for salvation and not give up that God says, I'm going to let the Holy Ghost rest on them. 
I'm going to let the Holy Ghost touch them. I, I think that if we can get a hold of this hope of salvation, I think that if we can get a hold of this promise that God hasn't given up on us yet, that, that God still is the Savior, that God is still at work. That God is going to pour the Holy Ghost out. The Holy Ghost was upon him. It's not even Acts 2, Simeon, but the Holy Ghost is resting on you. We haven't even seen the Messiah yet, but the Spirit of God is on him. There's something that compels him. He's not giving up. He's just showing up. He just keeps showing up. I'm waiting. It may happen today. I've got hope. I haven't given up on the hope yet. I haven't given up on the promise. I haven't given up on salvation. It's still coming. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I'm not turning around. i got the word in my spirit. I read about it. I read about it in Micah. I read about it in Malachi. I read about it. I read about it in Jeremiah. I read about it in Genesis. I read about it. I read about it. I just read about it. I got it in my spirit. And when it got in my spirit, I began to hope for the salvation. There's something in my, in my spirit tonight. I have a hope of salvation. I have a hope of salvation for more than just 400 in the pews. I have a hope of salvation for people that line the streets of Downing Street and Crockett Street. I, I have a hope of salvation for people in Pepper Creek. And I got a hope of salvation for Hamwell. I got a hope of salvation for our city. I got a hope. I have hope. I have that hope. It's in my spirit. I, we can't give up on it because I'm believing that God's reaching. I, I'm believing that God's working. I've got hope for the people in, in, in the rich subdivisions. And I've got hope for the people in the project. I, I've got hope for people. It doesn't matter where they live. God, there's a salvation promise that God said in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So I'm not giving up. I'm not... I'm I'm not turning around. I just, I've got this hope of salvation. It's in my spirit. It's, it's, I feel it rising in the room right now because when the words preached, pastor talked about it for the last four weeks, the seed will land in soil and if we'll let it grow and if we'll let it germinate, it's going to be more than just a lesson. It's going to be more than just a message. It's going to be more than just a sermon. It's going to be a prophetic word that lands in our spirit and we are going to get a hold of hope and when you get a hold of hope, it doesn't matter who you meet. They become a comfort opportunity it doesn't matter who you meet it's a salvation promise yet to be fulfilled it doesn't matter who you meet it's the one checking you out in the checkout it's the one pumping your gas at St. Mary's it's the one come on it's somebody that you meet in the shopping center it's somebody that you meet in the doctor's office it's somebody that you meet wherever you are in the park walking your dog I don't know but whoever you meet is a salvation opportunity if hope is in your spirit when you get a hold of that hope you will not cannot give up on anybody because there is a hope for salvation. Simeon, don't give up, Simeon. Luke's going to write about you, Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke's going to pen your name and the promise that you wouldn't let go of. You're waiting, waiting for the consolation. 400 silent years, but now God's whispering in your ear. He said, it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. You're not going to die until you see it. But you've got to embrace the promise, Simeon. 
So Simeon came. Simeon came through the hopelessness. He came through the doubt. He came through the fear of what the Roman guards may or could do. He, he came past the religious critics. He came daily. He came on purpose. He came. He came past his family's urging, just, just stay home, Dad. Just stay home. There's no sense in you going out today. It's wet. You might slip, fall. No, Simeon said, I'm, I'm going. I got something in my spirit. And the Bible says he came by the spirit into the temple. And when the, when the parents, when Mary and Joseph brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, he realized this. Hope. Hope has a name. The promise is here. Simeon. Simeon, here it is. And he takes him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. I was hoping. I was hoping for this day. I was hoping for this promise. I was hoping for this one. He, he came unexpected. This isn't the way I planned. I thought he'd roll up in the chariot. Thought he'd have those spinners on the chariot wheels. Neon lights underglow. I, 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 he, didn't, he didn't come as a king. He didn't come like I anticipated. He, he came like a little baby. But here we are. I didn't give up on the hope of salvation. Man, I feel it in my spirit. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. I didn't give up. Simeon was a believer that God was a savior. Simeon was a believer that God, in spite of whatever obstacle, was going to save humanity. So he just kept showing up. Mary and Joseph, they're amazed, but, but Simeon's not alone. There's, there's another lady in the picture. She's a prophetess. Her name's Anna. The Bible says, the message translation, I'll read it there. It's just a little easier to grasp, she said, but she was by now a very old woman. She had been married seven years and a widow for 84. She never left the temple area. Wow. Worshiping day and night with her fastings and prayers at, at the very same time that Simeon was praying. Get, just get the, the biblical picture, the narrative with it. Simeon is praying. She shows up and she breaks into an anthem of praise and talked about the child to all that were waiting expectantly for the freeing of Jerusalem. She's like, this is the one. This is her. This is, this is the promise. This is the hope. This is the one that I, I came for. This is the one that I kept coming for. I, I kept showing up 84 years. I, I, I'm still here after 84 years. I, I didn't give up. I had hope of salvation. I had hope. That instant, she comes in and Simeon's praying for Jesus. And she, she realizes, wow, this is the moment. It's not the expected. You know, we, everyone else had the, Mary and Joseph had, had the idea. They got it figured out pretty quick. 
This isn't what they expected, the virgin that gave birth. This, is, this isn't the one that they expected, the, the king who was going to sit on a throne, but it's an infant that came in a manger. This isn't what they expected, but they realized this is the hope of salvation. It came not like I expected it, but it showed up. It came unanticipated, but here he is. The Savior of the world is here, and hope, they didn't let go of hope. And so the Bible said that she... She talked to everybody who was waiting expectantly. They, she spake of him to all them who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. I'm wondering tonight, would Anna, would Anna find common company tonight? Would Anna find someone who's looking for the Redeemer? Would Anna find somebody in the room tonight that, that's saying, I, I've got a hope for salvation. I've got a hope because I still have lost loved one I I haven't given up on them I'm convinced that in our get it now society we give up too easy Simeon and Anna didn't give up they just kept showing up not my song I'm showing up not my preacher showing up. It isn't time to give up. It's time to show up. Anna, you got 84 years in. It's time to hang up the hat. Nope. Nope. I'm going to show up. Constantly in the temple. She got under people's feet. She got in people's way. She walked too slow. She stuttered. She wandered around. She, 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 she just kind of looked out of place. She looked like she, she was looking for something that she never did find. She was just that one who's always there. She just became the, the fabric and the backdrop of the temple community. She just was always there. That's just Anna. Look out for Anna. Anna, Anna, step aside. People are coming through. Anna, Anna, what do you do? What do you do, Anna? Why do you head home? No, I'm waiting for the hope of salvation. I've got hope and I'm waiting. I'm not giving up. I'm waiting waiting. Anna, you've got 84 years in. Turn it over. Turn it in. No. No. <laughs> i got 84 years in and I'm not quitting now. The loss of my husband was rough, but I stepped over the why me. I stepped over the not fair. I pushed back no future. I pushed, I pushed back the no family. I pushed back the hopes of everybody else. I watched people come and I watched people go and I realized pretty quick that wasn't what I was going to have, but I'm not giving up. I'm waiting for the hope. And so for 84 years, she holds on to the promise. For 84 years. For 84 years. Did I say that? Did I say 84? Did I mention 84 years? Is anybody in the room 84 years old? It's okay. You can be proud of that. You're allowed to celebrate that. Anybody more than 84? Anybody close to 84? I know pastor's not. Brother Mills, I, I think I see some, some pointing fingers. What do you got, 80? 85? So from the time that he was a year old until now, Anna's been hanging on to hope. When she should have and could have been hopeless, I lost my husband, I lost my future, I lost my livelihood, I lost my income. I'm not giving up. Mm -mm. I'm showing up because I have the hope of salvation. I'm still here. 
We need a little bit of Anna in our spirit. Because some of us are already frustrated that we've been 23 minutes, let alone 84 years, past 8 o'clock. when you realize that we're serving a God that doesn't give up, how could, why could, why should we? Don't cease seeking before you see the salvation of the Lord. Don't lose hope. I was running through my notes and I got the, less, the same message from Talmadge that Pastor and Sister Beverly got. Talmadge, sat in my office and I was like, God, you are so good. You're so good. And parents who've prayed for years, I'm like, Pastor, I, I'd agree, surely, surely knowing God like we know him, he just pulled back the curtain a little bit and said, corny. He's the God of salvation. That's who he is. He's the Savior. And I, I'm celebrating because I remember Brother Corny coming to me saying, pray for my boy. He didn't say, it's hopeless. You know what he did? got a hold of hope. The hope of salvation was as real in the end of his life as it was in the middle of his life, in the middle of his ministry. And, and here we sit tonight with the reality of that hope sitting in the room and we are celebrating what God has done because he is a God who releases the hope of salvation. Maybe we won't even see it in our lifetime, but that doesn't mean that God isn't going to do it. We have got to hold on to hope. In closing, the psalmist said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. We are so good at telling everybody else like it is. But some of us have got to get a little bit of the psalmist in us and say, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Jack, pull yourself up. Step over hopelessness. Step over your sense of impossibility. Step over that God hasn't done it, so he's not going to do it. Step over. Come on, step over it and believe that God can. That God will. Step over it. Step over that impossibility. Step over it and say, I'm, I'm getting a hold of the hope of salvation. stand together with me tonight. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. What, what hopelessness is trying to pervade your life? What, what lie has the enemy sent in like a torpedo to take? What, what, what wave of discouragement is capsizing your hope tonight? family, your finances, or 
And I, I am not minimizing the challenge of mental health and what's happening in, the, in our world. I'm not minimizing any of that. But, but I am saying it would do all of us a whole lot of good if we got a hold of the hope of salvation. If the word funneled prophecy toward the birth of Christ, like an arrow shot straight from the archer's bow, to Luke chapter 2. If that word would go that direct after being released from prophet and prophet, prophecy after prophecy and the word, if he would do that for them, that same God wants to do it for us. We can't give up because God is still the God of salvation. I have hope. Would you lift your hands tonight? I think the Holy Ghost wants to help somebody. Come on, there's, there's hope rising in the room today. We're, we're, at, we're at the time limit, but when someone just, come on, grasp hope, reach hope, grip hope. Come on, bring it into your spirit. Come on, turn it, turn it. Come on, turn it around. The enemy meant it for evil, but God intends for it to be good. It's not, it's not the wave that's going to capsize you. It, it's, it's the one that you're going to step over. It's going to elevate you into the position where you see the Savior. It's, gonna, it's, gonna, it's not the wave that's taking you down. It's the hand that's pulling you up out of the midst of the miry clay. God is working in the room tonight. If you just let him, come on, send a prayer somewhere for somebody right now that needs salvation. have anybody that you know needs salvation tonight it may be you it may be your spouse it may be your children maybe your parents maybe I don't know but would you just lift a hand together with me we're going to get ready to close I would love for us to take this lesson with us tonight I need you to get someone's face right come on right there in the front of your mind get a vision 
of where they are right now, but would you get a vision of where God's going to bring them? Come on, you get a vision of them in an altar somewhere. Get a vision of them going down in waters of baptism. Get a vision because someone, you, you, you just slipped into hopelessness and God's wanting to remind you that there, there's hope. There's a hope of salvation. God's moving. God's working. He's not finished. He's, he's reaching. He's turning it around. Father, I pray tonight that you would allow your word God, to do its work in our lives. Lord, I pray for, we speak against discouragement. We speak against every lie of the enemy. We, we send it back, let it bring derision and confusion among his own ranks. But God, I pray that the word would have clear course into somebody's life. Let it have, God, let it bring a vision, a promise yet to be fulfilled. Let someone begin to live in the hope of what you're going to do. God, what you're going to do. We declare it, God, we speak it. God, we speak over our city and we speak over our nation. God, we speak over our world, your promise today. You are the savior and we rest in the hope of salvation. God, we stand on that word tonight. We release it in the environment, God, we release it in our community. We release it in our family. We release it in our lives. Someone say, in Jesus' name. Come on, put your hand right on your chest and say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.